Rapids. If you have not followed his Triple H Horse Racing Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country. Good evening and welcome to episode 227 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight as we recap an unbelievable stakes day at Gulfstream Park this past Saturday for the Pegasus World Cup. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You guys know the drill by now. Hit that notification bell so that you know when new content will arise as we have a lot of shows coming up. Um, extra shows as well, of course, with the Super Bowl and many other things on betting and boozing. You don't want to miss all the exciting action here on the podcast. And smash that thumbs up button, that like button. We'd really appreciate it. That will send people to the YouTube channel. You can reach me, of course, on Twitter at H Kravitz and the bottom of the screen, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com is my email. Of course, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anchor the power picks have been hot they were red hot this past weekend we tipped out many winners actually between our hosts we pretty much had every stakes winner uh except for art collector on the end i also tipped out some uh big big prices underneath and exactas and trifectas so it was an extremely good day for the podcast we'll be talking about that as well unfortunately we could not tip out the big winner of the day, Art Collector, but we'll be talking about that. We have a great website, uh, hhhracingpodcast.com, which has all bunch of information there as well. We got Michael Osen here. Pegasus day bets tricky with no singles, no question about it. Of course, Lon Garfield. What's up, Lon? Thanks for joining the show. Please make sure if you are watching, we'd like to have a lot of comments there in uh, the chat. We'd greatly appreciate any comments you have. We're going to be talking about the Pegasus races in pretty much detail, and we're going to show the stretch runs of the races as well. All right. I think that's going to take care of all the uh, particulars. We've got some great shows coming up, I should mention, as you see on the bottom of the screen. Tomorrow night, Benton and Booze at 9 p.m. Eastern. They're recovering the NBA Thursday slate. Um, if you're watching and you're part of our email list, had a little mistake there. We're going to be talking in detail about the NBA Thursday slate on Bed and Booze and Toronto Night, along with a really good pick four sequence Saturday at Gulfstream Park. All that will be on Bed and Boozin. And then Thursday night, our flagship show, myself and Pete Visco and Peter Thomas Fornital making his first appearance on the HHA Tracing Podcast. Does a great job as the creator and host of the In the Money Media podcast. Will be with us to talk about a really exciting day at Santa Anita this Saturday with their late pick five, two grade stakes, and of course the Kentucky Derby prep. The Robert B. Lewis. We'll be talking about that as well. All right. Without further ado, let me bring on one of my co-hosts. I thought we were going to have Paul Halloran. Perhaps I made a mistake. Maybe. My great uh, co-host, Pete Visco, can help me with that. But for right now, let's bring on my great co-host from the state of Maryland, Mr. Pete Visco. Pete, how are you doing tonight? What's up, my friend? How's it going? I'm doing – did I miss something? Is Paul uh... – I don't remember. I thought he was going to be on. He responded. I maybe, so too. Or maybe we're just both stupid and I, don't pay attention. Well, that, I'll, tell you someone well. who's, I'll tell you someone who's not stupid, young man. You over there – 
you are hot. We're going to be talking about that uh, during the show as I'm just checking my uh, uh, email. I don't see anything. Perhaps maybe I can just uh, expound on something. You can give me a, qu- a quick call, Pete, or a quick text. Yeah, Perhaps I'll the next yeah. few minutes. Actually, well, why don't you just stay on? We'll give it a minute. Uh, we thought Paul was going to be on tonight. I hope everything's okay, obviously, but I'm assuming it is. might be just miscommunication, Pete. Um, I'll tell you what, Pete, I'm going to take you off screen for a minute or two. Um, and see if you can get in touch with Paul and see what's going on there. And I'll just go ahead and talk about my quick reaction from Saturday. So, Pete, I'm going to take you off the screen real quick okay. and um, and see if we can find out what's going on. We'll bring you back in just a minute here. Um, so, Saturday was a fantastic day. Let me just say a few things about uh, Saturday. Uh, first of all, I talked about this. Uh, by the way, if you were watching our show from the Villa Park uh, from the Crazy Poor OTB in Villa Park. Villa Park, uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great time. It was myself, um, Matt Miller. Uh, it, it was great, and Kyle Roscoe uh, had a real nice crowd out there. Everything was wonderful. As I might be getting a text here, let me see. Um, and it was from Paul. And okay, I guess he's not coming. I gave him the night off. I didn't even remember that. Okay. Well, let's bring Pete back on then. Pete, <laughs> I guess I gave him the night off. I, I mean, hey, he, you know, hey, no, no today, no Thursday. He's living the life this week. I get, well, he, he might got? try to join us Thursday. He's yeah, but that's, that's more of a travel. That's more of a travel schedule. Yeah, he's going to be en route yeah. to the hotel. So, yeah. uh, of course, he's basking in the wonderful sun of Florida. So, uh, Pete, that's all right. We, you and I can handle this, no problem. We got um, it. I was just talking about the crazy pro OTB. It was a lot of fun there. Uh, we had a great crowd over, like, we almost had 60 people, which is almost a record for them signing up. There were awesome. a lot of people in the OTB. I see Matt. Um, it, Matt's in the chat as well, so he can, oh, terrific. He can let's, comment on it. Oh, it's, uh, let's see what Matt. Uh, no Paul tonight. I haven't texted him. Mm-hmm. He thinks he has an Okay. Well, yes, I guess yeah, that's fine. That's cool. But Where were you two got, minutes got... ago, Matt, when we were looking for some answers? Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Penn State Scott. Welcome, gents. Should have faded. Ooh. Rosario, Rosario was awful. I mean, that was unbelievable. Was he on Wakanaka? He was on Wakanaka. That was a terrible ride. And there was a lot of lasts and, and, and far in the back rides that I'm sure we'll get to when we get to the races themselves. Yeah, it was not pretty. Richard Flax had art collector. Richard, nice job, buddy. I thought it was a nice overlay. It certainly was 15 to 1. None better than not getting a horse Good call. for a race. I mean, Bill Mott, what are you going to say? But we'll, we'll talk about him. Um, all right, let, let's go right to – I was just looking at the um, comments. But let's go right uh, to the races, Pete. And yeah. I was mentioning, of course, for the show uh, that we had, between myself, you, and Paul, we really had a great day. And individually, I think you had the most actually winners on the day, at least picking them out. So yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how you didn't have the late pick five. I'm guessing our collector. No, you know what's five. funny? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this happens to you, but when you're putting a sequence together – do you ever know when you sit there and go, I know exactly what horse is going to screw me. What horse is going to come in that I chopped off the ticket. And I always know, and our collector was never in contention. So I would have lost anyway, but endorsed was the one that I cut. And well, I, I just made a mistake in that race. That was a race where I had no opinion and should have went deeper. And I didn't strengthen my opinions in a couple of the other races and go skinny. So endorse was sort of my budgetary, one of my last cuts. And I even said, I'm like, this is the horse that's going to do it. And when he won, I was like, of course. But luckily, 
I wouldn't have had our collector anyway, so it wouldn't have yeah. mattered in the end. No, I didn't have our collector either. But we'll, we'll get to that race. P, let's jump right in right now. And we're just going to, again, we're going to talk about these races fairly briefly. Pete, I'll show the chart as we usually do. And I'll just show the stretch run. And yeah. we can uh, we'll talk about the first race. Let me go ahead and bring up the uh, banner here. The first race we're going to talk about is, of course, the La Provayant, uh Stakes. Won by personal best. And listen, we we will we are very honest on this show as always. We will say good things and bad things. Uh, Paul Howard and myself did tip out personal best. I'll tell you what pissed me off here, Pete. Before yeah. I talk about the race, I played in the Pegasus uh, World Betting Championship, as you well know. It was a it's a six thousand dollar buy with a five thousand um, dollar live cash bankroll. I qualified for it, so I didn't have to cough up uh, the six k. This horse was two to one, Pete. Like all the way until the gate, yeah. They spring the latch, and then I don't know, in midway into the first turn, six to five. I mean, I guess it's CAWs. I know it's a whole other conversation, Pete, but I placed a big, and I mean big, win bet on personal best. Um, I, I think it was a two thousand dollar bet. And for those of you who are saying, "Wow, Howard's Mister Moneybags," again, guys, I would, I'd never ever bet that amount. <laughs> but I had five thousand dollars to play. And Pete, I decided before the day that this was one of my no pun intended best choices because yeah. it was one of the smaller fields on the day, and I just was a little bit against adventuring. And so I made a big bet, hoping to you know double up, triple up, and then this freaking horse goes off six to five. But nonetheless, a great win. Uh, I mean, a win is a win, but yeah, that that sucks. But I mean, I think that's been a plague to the to the sport to begin with. So I mean that's a bigger issue and it's I think it rears its head in tournaments and stuff like that just because of what you're talking about. You think, hey, I'm making this bet, especially if you're late say behind in a tournament, you think you're making yeah. a bet that's going to jump you up and then the gate breaks and you go, ah, damn, I got screwed by the by the odds drop. So well, they uh, Pete. They went twenty-three and two, yeah, and we're not going to show the beginning. I'll show the end here in just a second. Yeah, but it was it was. This was one of the few fast paces of the day, really. And that's to me, that's the theme of the day. Unfortunately for me, twenty-three and two, forty-eight going this distance, adventuring with Rosario, wanted to get the lean. I guess he could have taken back Pete early and just let beside herself go. He was pretty stubborn. I'm assuming instructions were go to the lead. But at what cost? End up costing him the race. Yeah, and then you know sometimes I mean he he, he or I should say she already making the mistake. She there I was thinking go. more I was thinking more Rosario when I said that. But right, we'll, I, we'll, that's we'll a tough the, one, right? The male jockey. Yeah, it's the, the male jockey. Horse. You know what? I'm not going to drink because I think you. I agree. I'll that take it anyway. Jockey. But the all right. That's one where it's a tough decision because it's not like adventuring doesn't go to the lead and hasn't won on the lead. So you have a horse who's comfortable on the lead when needs to be there. But did he need to take her there in this race? That's the that's, I guess, the toughest choice. So, yeah. I mean, it's Rosario and he didn't give many good rides the whole day, as some of our commenters have been mentioning. So I, I could blame him. But, you know, I mean, it's not like, yeah, look at that. That's a pretty comfortable lead. I mean, it was a little quicker in spots than maybe you would like. But now the four is pressing enough to where the five and the five had some. The five had never gone this long, had never won going this right. long, and had never gone this long. And that was one of my notes, which is a little why I was pissed that I had that horse on top in the end. But, yeah, that, Pete, too, is ranging beautifully. I, listen, I was watching the race. I was right next to Matt Miller, of course. And uh, Matt had the five. Matt, I hope you don't mind people me saying that because the five was very logical also. Um, I just stopped it here, Pete, because 
he was just sitting on go. I mean, he was absolutely just waiting, waiting right here. I'm like, this horse is not going to lose. It just, I mean, he hasn't even really asked yet. He's just gliding. No, it's, it's uh, over it right just, there. Just a perfect yeah. ride. Just yeah, absolutely perfect over. ride. Great trip. Yeah. And that was the trip that was pretty successful a lot of the day too. And that one, I mean, and it, you know, the five held a little bit for a minute and the six ran it. I mean, the transient who was, who was obvious, it was an, to me, it was these three were pretty much the obvious top three and they sort of ran the way they should. I, I was pissed because I looked at my notes after and the two, everything in my notes basically said exactly what happened. And I wound up picking against it, but I didn't bet this race anyway. I just yeah. had it in the, in our, in our grid and our power picks. But other than that, um, I knew you had it, so I was happy for you. And you gave it out in the power picks as well as one of your choices, I right? I did. So, and, by the way, Matt Miller, thanks to Howard, this horse, and Wolfie in the next were my only two winners on the day. Wolfie. Matt did have a, a, an unusually tough day for him. You all would have loved his reaction. Matt <laughs> half mid-race. Better than the derby reaction uh, video he's referring to. I was not. I mean, that's huge. Listen, I don't put win bets like this, Pete, normally, right? Yeah. You go from two to one to six. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, at least a thousand dollar difference there. It was just, uh, listen, I'm happy she won, though. It was a great training job. Where do you, where, how good can this horse be? I mean, she's only newly turned four year old, Pete. I think there's a lot of upside here. Yeah, I would imagine. What's the, I forget. I looked at it. What was the, what was the buyer? Was it an improvement? It was 91. So it was oh, a yeah, life, lifetime top. No, that's, I, I, I should have had it up. Lifetime buyer. Yeah. There I mean, you if go. you look, I like, I mean, the horse has only run nine times in the money yeah. eight and is getting better. So, I mean, you see, and you love to see from one year to the next, even though it was only a month, yeah. you like to see any sort of incremental improvement. So, you know, that there's some potential growth there and it was from three to four and a lot of horses improve from three to four so i think this one you know it's weird though there's not a ton of mile and a half races for you know that are big name mile and a half so there's enough of them yeah. to to make your money but hey i think this one's got nothing but upside right i mean I don't yeah, know, what do you think? I, I think I think obviously she'll run New York. There's I think there's actually a race called the New York Stakes for a mile. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. For Philly and Mayor. I mean, there's a lot. There's plenty of opportunity. Um, she'll she'll be a big factor. I don't know if she's like Breeders' Cup Philly and Mayor turf kind of quality. Um, that, that's a long way to go for that's that. That's a long but way to go. Also, but... but but there's a long way to go to that race. So we'll we'll see. Personal best, easy name to remember. Yeah, uh, great win there uh, for Irad who. He was just, I he mean, was awesome most of the day. I mean, he was. Listen, again, say what you want. The guy is the best rider in the country. I mean, he just is, which is pretty simple. Uh, let's go to the next race, Pete. Sure. The next race we're going to talk about, uh, and I know this is, you're very happy about this result. And congrats to you, my friend, for this. <laughs> Let me take the banner off the screen here for a second, by the way. There we go. Let's go to race eight. This was the inside information. Uh, one by, there are two stories in this race, uh, race Pete, really. Mary, Mary, uh, Mary, I almost said two Marys, Mary quite contrary, who was also bet down to 2.6 to one. That's obviously one of the main stories because she won. But listen, obligatory, my, my daughter just absolutely did not fire at all. No. She was awful. In fact, really like 10 seconds of the race, I turned to Matt. And I could see that, um, who was it? Ortiz, Jose Ortiz was already scrubbing on her Pete. And I said, this is not, this is not good for obligatory, which is funny too. Cause I, you know, I, I had picked on our show, I had picked obligatory in third, but not because I didn't think she wouldn't fire. So that was a complete, 
complete out of the blue for me. Yeah. I just thought that maybe she would be pace compromised because there wasn't a ton of pace in here, but it actually turned out that the pace was, was reasonable. I mean, if you look at the fractions, they were, they didn't go slow. It wasn't, it wasn't what I expected. And yeah, she just, I mean, that's just unlike her. She always, and she always unleashes a kick and a lot of times maybe just has too much to do and doesn't get there, but doesn't just not run at all. So yeah. I'm, and I really love obligatory too. And it was really disappointing. Well, with the five fire and time sort of surprisingly go to the lead, there was a decent pace. You yeah. see at the bottom of the screen. I mean, if you could see that yeah, was not the actions. excuse. Twenty two forty five one ten. I mean, she had pace to run into as I show the buyers. I mean, obviously, from what I I, I read, I'm sure you did a little research after the races and articles, whatever. The you know last few days, um, she came back fine. She got a seventy four. I mean, so those of you that had Mary quite contrary, you know, congratulations, good on you. Great call by you, Pete. But, you know, we if obligatory runs her race, who knows what would have happened. You, you've got to believe, just by looking at the buyers, she would have been right there or won the race. So that was just a great combination for people like you who were trying to beat obligatory. Not only did your horse run well, but obligatory didn't fire. It's just a great combination. Yeah. And I mean, on the show, that was the, I was surprised at the, the odds on the two on the second place horse, colorful mischief, because on the show, that's who I, yeah. I had said was Mary quite contrary, colorful mistress and, and mischief. I and think I had her two. third, if I recall. Yeah. So, and, and I know yeah. you guys had talked about colorful mischief. And, and in fact, I heard on a couple other podcasts, people make the same comments of, well, in that prior race, Irad was shut off on her and she didn't get the room and she might've won in that other race. And I sort of just went the other way and said, yeah, we always say that, but I just thought Mary quite contrary is just a horse who's on the upswing and yep, pretty much right ran there. a perfect she, race here. Yeah. This is just like the replay we showed her last race. I mean, out yeah, in the middle of the track, exactly. here's obligatory, just completely out of it. And here's call from mischief again on the inside, again on the inside yeah. <laughs> but, but this time got through with no problem. Uh, did barely get up for third. Um, is this a horse for course speed, or do you see Mary quite contrary going on the road and winning some more stakes that, uh, you know, who knows, Churchill out east, whatever? Well, I mean, that's the biggest question. I, I mean, you just don't know. You can you can speculate, and it's a good horse, and I do like that. I mean, if you look at her chart, her buyers have either improved or stayed the same each race, but they are consistently going up. She got a 91. She paired up buyer tops. Our friend Matt Bernier always likes the paired up buyer tops and yeah. thinks there's a forward move after that. And, and I follow that one as well and sort of like that. But I mean, she's raced every race at, at Gulfstream. So you yeah. just don't know. You got to get her on the road and see what she can do. She's also undefeated with my man, Luca, Luca Panici. <laughs> in Luca the, Panici. I mean, she's undefeated with him in the saddle. So let's <laughs> take him wherever she goes. Let's make sure he travels as well. So I mean, I'd like to see her again, like a 91 isn't getting it done necessarily if you get to top, top notch. But yeah, I think thank you, Christine. But I do think, hey, why the hell not? You got to give it a shot when you have a horse that's on the the improve like that. Uh, shout out to Christine. I guess Christine's a little bit under the weather uh, from what I understand also. So, Christine, we hope you feel better. And, feel and better hopefully uh, just the show tonight can bring you some laughs and some joy. So, Christine, thanks for watching the show. And thank you for your email that you sent to me earlier today. Really. Uh, appreciate that. That this is a Florida bred Pete. So um yeah, you know, she she's done her damage in Florida, but she's gonna have to go on the road at some point. At some point. Like you said, yeah. Uh let's get on to the next race here as I go ahead and do some switching. The next race is race nine. This is WL McKnight. And again, my buddy Pete Visco here <laughs> called it on the show with the old Wiley veteran Red Knight getting a good pace setup. However, 
this horse just continues to run and what an unbelievable effort not only from red knight pete but the story in this race how about maker 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 one unbelievable two, three, <laughs> with two bomb well with a, a medium price that you know i loved and wicked fast getting in third just unbelievable here as we take a look at the prices red knight wins at three points three to one there you can see uh, let, let me see if i can show both here there we go you see the prices on the top there the mutuals and then wicked fast at 45 to one shoddy 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 37 to one uh again in force there are bombs underneath but red knight uh gets it done i believe a nine-year-old correct pete yeah and that was that was the only so going in this was a race where i know for myself I didn't love anything and red Knight was, and again, it's, it's Irad, which is, it was nice to have him anywhere today because he was on that day because he was just excellent the whole day. But I thought that at least this one came out of red Knight came out of the turf. The only concern was man, nine years old. Now it's been off for a couple of months. Is he still going to have it? And you just don't know when you, the older you get, when it's going to go at some point. And I mean, you, you can, he had two bad races in a row, but the last one was the Breeders' Cup turf, which he never should have been in. It was just one of those winning your ins, might as well go for the hell of it and didn't run well. And then the other one finishes eighth by a, by a length and a half and had to steady and was wide and had a terrible trip. But before that was, was in excellent form. So you figure, hey, if he can get back to three and four races back, this field is pretty light and he could beat this field as long as he gets a little bit of pace to run into and he got what he needed and it was closers from everywhere coming. I think for me, and I, I had some lessons learned myself. We're always trying to learn Pete. I'm always. certainly not going to sit here and tell you, you know, I know everything because that'd be stupid. And that to say that I'm, you know, right all the time would also be incredibly stupid. So <laughs> to me, Pete, um, my takeaway is I just, I read on this horse. I mean, I is not going to yeah. win every race. Okay. We all know that, but there's intent. And that's one thing that I think I've improved a lot over the last 10 to 15 years. Pete is like trainer intent, like reading behind the line, you know, reading in between the lines, etc. I read jumping on this horse just screams out. This horse is ready to go. And I'm not big on nine-year-olds coming off layoffs. That was sort of my angle yeah. wide. And the post, although, again, he just takes back and makes a run. But still, he could have been a little bit wide on that first turn. Um, he just – I should have learned that it was just Irad and just was going to get a great uh, trip. Although, if I knew he was going to be 3.3 to 1, I'm not sure I would have bet him anyway. Uh, but let's show the replay here, Pete, just the stretch run. Um, again, there was a decent pace here. Value Engineering – was a horse that you know that I liked quite a bit in this race, Pete. Yeah. I thought Valley Engineering ran fantastic. I mean, yeah, he, he got too. he fouled. Uh, he fouled. I can't. I think it was Channel Maker. Sorry, he fouled Channel Maker. Here, here's uh, Valley Engineering. Red Knight just in between horses. Look at this trip by Irad. Looks a lot like personal best, doesn't it, Pete? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's like it's like watching him. If you watch them side by side, they'd be mirrors of each other. I mean, look Very at that. Much. He just swept. And again, you talked about it with it, not just intent, but the running style of Red Knight fits the way Irad likes to ride. So they were they were a match made in heaven there. Yeah, Value Engineering was valiant. No, not almost pun intended, but ran a great race there. And you see that. I mean, them other horses are coming too. Those the bombers, which. Which, if you had this super, you were pretty, were pretty happy at ten cent or paying, 
seven hundred plus is pretty fantastic. If you went maker, 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 and and uh, who was on? I don't even know who was training. Who went? Who finished fourth? It was Shoddy Shoddy with uh, oh Abreu, uh, yeah, another bomber. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, (laughs) here the buyers there, Pete. I mean, Red Knight. I mean, he's not going to explode. He's a nine year old. You're not going to see like a. But he yeah, he runs. He runs his races. He does what he does. Every time, um, every time. Value engineering, if he continues on this trend, I see no reason why he can't be a factor in some of the long-distance races in New York. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about Wicked Fast and Shawty Shot. Temple was a bit disappointing. Uh, the channel maker, I'm sure Paul will watch this, so we'll make sure we'll send it to him. We had a little, we had two side bets, which I'll talk about in a minute here, but one of them we got to, we had a channel maker Palo Alto side bet. I, I guess I won. I mean, I mean you I, won. I tell yeah. yeah. finish seventh. And Winning Paul the toilet bowl. Eighth. Yeah, that's the toilet bowl um, win there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I'm not going to say that I was right about channel maker. He just doesn't race well at, at Gulfstream. And Palo Alto, my concern was if most, if he was a mile and a half horse, motion would have run him at that distance. And I was right about Palo Alto. Um, Aban is just, he's not the same he was last year, Pete. No, and then I my was... buddy Ajitare uh, broke slow again and really hurt Aban, rushed up and actually helped Red Knight quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what that horse, that was a, a weird trip and a weird ride, but I mean, that, that was a, a complete bomb of a fade by Ajitare. And yeah, Aban, yeah. I don't know what happened to that horse. I mean, we had Pletcher on, um, you had Pletcher talking to him and, and he seemed yeah. a little more optimistic, but that horse just doesn't seem to, I don't know what the change would need to be for that horse to maybe just a bigger drop down or something to see if he can regain his confidence or whatever it is. But he, but I mean, last time was an optional claimer 62 and he got, he got whooped too. So who yeah. knows what to do with that one. Um, I'm proud of my tip on engineering because that definitely helped the exact of the tries. I wasn't sure he could win, but um, a tip out for me and a tip. So we combined there, crushed that race. Uh, Pete, I tried to find a little value. You um, were trying to always try and find value, but Red Knight was probably a little more logical just because of his resume. Uh, a great tip out for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, and the only one, yeah, I was only pissed that I had Palo Alto in second, but I, to me, they were sort of second and third and Red Knight was up on its own. So I was pretty happy with that pick. All right, let's go on to the next race. And this one was, I guess my shining moment of, well, I had two shining moments for myself for the day. Although I will readily admit it was not a good day overall for me. So I had to sit here and say again that I crushed it. Um, I did not, I gave out some nice picks, but the whole, in the big scope of things, it was not because of two horses, one you loved and one no one loved, but we'll get to that (laughs) here uh, in just a minute. Um, Race 10. uh, This was the Hooper and endorsed comes through at 4.9 to one. I was not surprised at the odds, although he was a little bit higher than I thought, Pete. I thought he could almost be the favorite. Miles D got crushed at the windows. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that based on the connections. But endorsed wins at 4.9 to one. Now, again, we're not going to show the whole race, but Pete, at the start of this race, this has been really annoying to me lately, and I got to talk to you about it. There sure. were four, five, six speed horses signed on. There was bumping on the inside, and right after, you know, about three seconds of the race, I turned to Matt. I'm like, "This pace is not developing," which I thought it needed to be a little bit for endorse. You see on the bottom of the screen as I go full screen here, twenty three and three. I mean, based on what you saw on paper, Pete, if you liked a closer, you had to be irate 
after that first quarter. It's just, I wouldn't say it's inexplicable. It was explainable. There were a bunch of horses that bumped into each other, but again, they just, I mean, who would, I would never have had picking up pennies on the lead in that race ever. I mean, part. no, no. I mean, I thought picking up pennies should be near the lead, but I thought this, yeah, this was one I forget. I, I don't have it in front of me, but if you looked at the, just the pace figures alone, it looked like, oh man, this should be, <clears throat> excuse me. This should be a pretty hot pace. Everyone should be up there. They should be cutting 22, you yeah. know, 22 and change at the minimum um, in that, in that first quarter. And it just didn't work out that way. And I don't know if that's what compromised miles D I had miles D and that was sort of a leap of faith that he would come back. And I, this is the yeah. race I had almost no confidence in any of the horses, which sucked because it was in the, the pick five sequence. That's why I was a little upset. I should have went deeper, but I mean, endorsed is just, this is a horse who's just actually running better. I mean, it sounds stupid to say, but it just, he always ran pretty good races, but he could never win. And now the last I'll show couple. show the start some of the bumping yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, like, Mish, the number three, is acting crazy. He was the main speed. But Octane was supposed to show speed, the four. And, like, they, they brush, and Mish doesn't. And I think that hurt Miles D also. And the outside horses, you know, just got the jump. And um, I, I'm not going to show the whole race, but there was an important point in this race. Here's endorsed right here. You see Pickett Penny sort of cruising. And here's Endorus, and I didn't like this spot. He's sort of in between. They weren't flying. I don't know. But obviously, I like the way it ended. Um, endorsed, just typical endorsed fashion, Pete. This horse has to be ridden. I mean, Luis Saez gets a serious workout every time he – you see, look, he's under the whip. But I wasn't worried. Like, a lot of times, you're like, okay, the horse is done. This is the way the horse has to be ridden. He's very grindy. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's really good right now and just runs down – uh, a very game Dean delivers on the front end with Octane coming up the inside. Yeah, and 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 what you talk about being grindy and having to be ridden, and and it makes him tougher for him to actually get up and close out these races. And that's what he had been doing. He kept, you know, he would hit the board and he would do okay. And sometimes he'd throw in some clunkers, but he would hit the board and he would almost get there, but he could never just close the deal. Now he wins two in a row. I forget what was the did you bring it up? I didn't remember what the buyer was this time. Is it a 96. 96. So now you're talking, yeah. you know, now you're talking improving buyers again. So, I mean, he's seven, but he seems to be a seven year old that somehow the light went on and he's on the improve. I mean, again, I don't think he's, I don't, he's not a world beater or anything, but I think he's a horse that could actually win some, some races going forward instead of just maybe being a horse you can play underneath. Well, what I like about Endorus, now we're going to assume that Michael Maker can keep him together. I mean, he is seven. Yeah. Um, he's, you wouldn't think Gulfstream would be the kind of track that would suit him, Pete. I mean, Gulfstream's not really a grindy kind of track. So if he can stay in form, maybe they'll ship him back to New York, you know, courses like Aqueduct and, you know, you got the Met, I'm not saying he's a Met Mile candidate, but it's something to consider, at least for right now in New York at Belmont. I mean, you'd think he'd be better along those like wide sweeping turns. That's what the grindy horses seem to do best. Yeah. Um, he, he might be, uh, in line for a pretty good year as again, assuming, Maker can keep them together. I mean, and you also, I think as long as you don't sort of overshoot where he should be, overshoot no the placement and maybe put him too much. But I mean, he's obviously a graded stakes kind of horse. I just don't, he's not necessarily a grade one type of horse, but if you can no. keep him in those grade three level races and even maybe a cheap grade two somewhere, I mean, because no. this field, the one thing it was, it didn't come up very strong. And even the favorite who turned out to be Miles D had what run one race in, basically 
two yeah. and two years. So yeah. it feels like so. Um, this was a field that was ripe for the taking for a horse who's only seems to be getting better and seems to just be sharp right now. And Maker was on fire, so his whole barn was just burning down the track anyway. Well, the next race, Pete, this is the first race of the Pegasus uh, pick three, so to speak. This is the one that really, really hurt because not only did I not have uh, Queen Goddess on top, but we did not use Queen Goddess for the uh, pool party at the Hawthorne, yeah. Hawthorne OTB at all. We actually, we, we didn't use Shantasara on our main ticket either. We actually went, we went, we, we used um, Delica, Ladies, um, not Ladies, but I swear, Lady Rockstar and Wakanaka on our main. We backed up with Shantasara. We had Queen Goddess nowhere. We should didn't didn't you read my one pager that you were handing out to people at the at we the did. at the crazy poor? I mean, we I, just, I wrote that just one up like for There you. was a bunch of speed, and I just I didn't. California horses don't do as well, and it just uh, it was one. Congratulations, UP, and I also had Queen Goddess bet down to like four to one. And as yeah. we were watching the odds board, when we saw like Wakanaka, well, we saw Shantasar like two to one ish. I turned to I turned to. Man, I said this is not good. The, the, if she's really the goods in this race. She's you know coming back off that poor start, Pete. I thought she'd be like eight to five, seven to five. She was ranging around like two to one, nine to five, five to two. Wakanaka opened up as the favorite, and we talked about on the show that she had you know that issue at, at Churchill Downs, um, you know, with that illness that you know very well. So, <laughs> yeah, let's not talk uh, about that. No, one so it was just it looked like it was right for the taking. I have no problem with Lady Rockstar, Pete. And everyone out there, I'll be honest, I played a huge double, Miles D, Endorsed, and the Reds to Lady Rockstar. I did some dutching. Um, long story short, Pete, I was live to 34,000 to Lady Rockstar. Oh, that would have been In nice. the contest. This was my big play of the day. I thought if I was right with Lady Rockstar, I'd be in the top five in the contest going to the Pegasus. So this was like, um, it was not an all-in shove, but it was a big shove. Um that's why personal best helped me, Pete, because that allowed me to put more money into that yeah. double. Um, on, on, the, on, the, on the turn, I saw that seven creep into the screen. We'll show it right now. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. But uh, your girl, Queen Goddess, with a fantastic ride and a great effort. Let's just go ahead right to the uh, PPs here real quick. Queen Goddess. Uh, one at 4.2 to one. Shot to Sarah ran, I thought, pretty darn well, actually. Slow start, big wide move into a pace that was reasonable, not crazy. Lady Rockstar, very good third. Let's just, before we talk about the race, let's just show the stretch run. Sure. I'll show you the place where I started getting a little bit excited, see if I can find it here. Uh, it was about, yeah, that was a good spot. So when I was watching the chicklets, by the way, can we can we widen this, the, 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 uh, camera angle here i mean i, I mean, know we want to show on. the leaders yeah, yeah this is silly we see four horses i know they got the chicklets but i'm sorry this is this is absolutely ridiculous by yeah me. i like the tracks when they put the full screen on you know a little sub set on the bottom yeah, where they put yeah yeah show us the field at least give us something yeah i agree anyway so i'm watching the chicklet and i know i need the seven right about here pete oh you're pumped there right <laughs> Well, that's that same trip. That's that same trip chill, that all the chill. horses are getting. Right about here, I'm like, come on, lady. And people are side cheering that we're at the, you know, Matt was giving me a little shove because he uh, uh, realized that Delica probably wasn't going to win this race, the two. He liked Delica here. Um, I was starting to get pretty excited, but it didn't last too long because even though she was making this bid, I saw Sean Desara come to the outside and just looked like, oh, sorry, it looked like Sean Desara 
there we go. Here's Lady Rockstar. Look like Sean Desire the momentum right here, though. I mean, late, uh, Queen Goddess on the wrong lead, by the way. Yeah, uh, you can see leading with her left lead, but not slowing down at all. Not at all. Uh, there she just switched leads. There, just very late stretch. Sean Desire did make a big lake run, Pete. Lady Rockstar in third. Well, it's funny, Matt, uh, Matt Chimura just put in the comments that Shantasara looks like she wants longer. And and one of the things I put in our write-up and one of the keys for me was because Queen Goddess, once I started doing the write-up, which is funny because we don't necessarily do that. So we don't, no. you know, put that much detail into our power picks all the time. For me, I was looking at it and this turned out to be the horse that I liked the most, Queen Goddess, but it was more because... I was, I had knocks against the other horses and Shantasara going into the race was five for five wins and nine furlongs and up and zero for six under nine. And just what Matt was saying there, looks like she wants longer and her on, she doesn't run bad races except for that last one, which was just a weird clunker. And then the other thing I didn't, I was unsure about was she keeps just being stuck off layoffs and you just weren't sure if she was going to come back sharp off that. So I think, you know, next time out, Maybe we if they stretch her out. Show. Yeah. And I also was concerned about firm turf, although I, I suppose you can dispel that 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 thought because she yeah, that she's, well I mean, she firm. ran. Yeah. But I think she still would prefer cut in the ground anyway. Oh, I, sure. I, sure. Based on her sure. race of a queen goddess speed runs 100 by her career top. Michael McCarthy. I mean, this guy's yeah. just fantastic. And Sayas gave her a perfect ride. I, to me, it was more a negative California turf horses. They just... They come east, P. They just don't run well normally. Queen Goddess is the exception. She's only a five-year-old. Uh, I think she could be primed for a big year and a division. Of course, a lot of the heavy hitters aren't out yet. I'm sure Chad's got some either coming over from Europe or whatever, and there's um, plenty of horses in this division. Uh, that can be a factor, I'm assuming. But Queen Goddess uh, stamped her uh, – place in this division right now for eclipse thoroughbred partners yeah and the, the other ones weren't here so again the theme of pegasus day was it was an awesome betting card but none of the fields had superstars in it so all of them were sort of ripe for the taking if you liked a horse outside of the favorite or even the top couple choices in some cases these were really good horses but nobody that sort of laid over the field and Queen Goddess, like you said, is just on the improve, has shown a little versatility because had been winning on the lead, had run on the lead, had come from behind, now came from behind again. You get that nice buyer jump going from four to five, which is, you know, there's still logical progression from four to five. I mean, she's not old. She's she's good there. And then she had the nice work two back. So it just showed she was kind of sharp. And the one thing I also liked was, she was able to carry her speed going longer. So she was able to carry speed going a mile and a half, even though she lost a mile and an eighth, a mile and a quarter. Now she's cutting back. So you knew she wasn't going to fade in the stretch, regardless of where she was placed. So that was my biggest thing was I thought she would appreciate it and have enough kick because yeah. she, she was more tactical. Whereas Shantasara, I think her problem is she comes from behind and the, the, the extra distance just helps her out late whereas I thought Queen Goddess was just more tactical and would be in a better position to get that first run. And she even exceeded my expectations. I mean, she, cause she sort of ran away with it and you pop a hundred buyer. That's no, that's no joke. That's going to be competitive. Yeah. In, I, just, in big -time I, I wasn't races. sure she could pass good horses and hold off closers if she needed to, because it looked like her best races were on the lead, but obviously uh, she did. It'll be interesting to see if she goes back out West, she's going to dominate that division. Yeah. That's if pretty she weak. Run, out if she runs there, that yeah. race, I don't, 
I, I'm trying to think of the older filling mares out west that go distance. I, I mean, I, I mean, she, she's by far the best in that situation. Uh, let's get to the next race, P. This is the Pegasus um, one million dollar uh, invitational turf for the males, and this this was weird. This was a weird race on many levels. Uh, the winner is a tone. Let's go ahead and show the PPs there. The winner was a tone. Who? Let me show the chart here. Who? Went off to me a surprisingly 3.8 to 1, almost the favorite over Ivar. And the more money this took, Pete, the more I was thinking this horse is super duper live. It was with Irad. I liked him. I had him, hmm, I think third on the show. I'd have to go back, maybe second. I can't recall. I got to go back and look. But um, I wasn't sure I loved him on top necessarily. My top choice we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, distance was the factor here for Ivar, Pete. We talked about it. He is the best horse. He just couldn't seal out, see out, excuse me, the mile and eighth. However, he still was Ivar and ran real well. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. And, and that was my, so I had a tone I had given out when I had given out my picks on Twitter, I actually had a tone as well. was a little disappointed in how much he was bet, but, and I thought he was going to win from closer to the lead. I didn't expect him to no, run down too. Ivar from off the pace, which you see him doing there. But for me, I was sort of against Ivar just on the top spot for what you talked about. I mean, he's a miler and he doesn't seem to close out races when he goes longer. He just doesn't have that same kick. And I thought that wouldn't be an issue with a tone. And I thought this was another one that was improving and, you know, not to stick with the same theme, picked up Irad, who also gave this horse the perfect trip again. I mean, and had maker. So there were sort of common threads through a lot of these races. And I happened to pick a lot of them by accident. And but the Irad factor was one. And again, look at this one popped a monster workout two back, then got sort of a maintenance workout last time but popped a hundred buyer in November. And again, there's another one that's just sort of looked to be on the improve against a field where if Ivar is your favorite going a mile and an eighth, it's not the best field and it's for the taking. So yeah. I think I was hoping for a, a better price, but it, it worked out. And um, there was a couple disappointing horses. I know, I think Paul liked wit. If I remember, did Paul like, wit? that's the other, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> um, a bunch of comments. Let's bring them up. Lon Garfield, Queen Goddess, good work, Mr. Wellman from Eclipse Thor, but absolutely, Lon. Uh, Christine Race, it takes guts uh, to lay out a 25 to 1 shot with exacta or exact, excuse me, wagering strategy before the race in writing. Christine, thank you. She's referring, of course, to the number seven, who you can see right here, speaking Scott, who I uh, talked about on the show quite a bit on Thursday. And he ran his eyeballs out 24 to one ran third, filled out the try. I did not play the trifecta in the contest because we were focusing on uh, doubles uh, and win bets mainly. Although if I were playing tries, I probably would have had that because I liked the tone and I liked Arvar and Arvar is my top choice. I think I went 10. I think I actually went 10, seven, three on the show. I have to go back and look. So I think I had the trifecta um, cold, so to speak. So, but anyway, Speaking Scout, thank you, Christine. Speaking Scout ran fantastic. Matthew Chimura, grade one at a mile for Ivar. He deserves it. Been running against some monsters. No question about it, Matthew. He's a really good horse. He's just run to tough spots. Here's a new person I don't think we've seen. Edward McGann. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Edward. Edward. Uh, Edward, thank you very much for joining the show, Edward. Appreciate it. He needed Ivar 
Um, the 12 for the pick five, the six. Oh, boy, that uh, is. <clears throat> that's tough. Sorry, Edward, man. But uh, thanks for joining the show. I appreciate it. Uh, Trish Smith, who won the contest? Um, I don't recall. If Matt Miller is still on, maybe he can remind you. Could I think it's public knowledge. You can look it up. I it wasn't there's someone fairly well known, but I, I can't recall to be honest. Um, and let's see. Um, yeah, so that that takes care of the comments there, Pete. Let's bring us back uh, full screen here. I'll bring up the um, I'll bring up the chart. There it is. Uh, Atone, I have our speaking scout. That try was. 148 for 50 cents, Pete. And again, perfect example of uh, the back wheel reverse key play that I've been hitting on and hitting on. And, you know, I, I, I get it wrong, obviously, sometimes. But lately, I've been getting it more right. In fact, I've been much better with that bet, Pete, than the pick fours and fives, to be very honest with everyone out there. And you got 7-2 to two over 7-2, to two, which you wouldn't think would pay much, even in a big field. Boom, you get that 24 to 1 in third. It really spices it up. 150 for 50 cents beat with two very logicals, one, two. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I, I mean, I like that bet. I've been using it a lot more since, you know, you sort of, sort of keep talking about it and I use it a lot more. But I think this one, I didn't bet the race individually. I only had it in horizontals, but I would have. Um, Thanks, I think Tom. I would, said I 10, 7, yep, 3. There yeah. you go. Yep. I would have had this try. The only horse that I had that ran terrible. We'll get to is city man. I had city oh. man in my top three with a tone and Ivar. And then sort of speaking scout was, was basically next with lady spite sphere. So I was sort of all over the board, except for the way the Rosario factor apparently, but yeah, no, that's a great play. And you, and especially when you got a nice closer, so you know, a horse like speaking scouts going to have run late and all you have to hope for is that it, is that he can he can get there and, and at that price yeah. I mean that that works out perfect again the only thing for not for you for the for the viewers and listeners is it's tough yeah you can give it out and you give it out and it'll say hey play this one underneath obviously you also have to pick the other horses so it's not just a given all the time but no. I mean if you have one that you like and you know you're confident in your other horses it's a great way to bet it where you can maybe make a nice score for sure. And you don't have, again, we'll, we'll move on here, people. You do not have to bet a lot of money. If you keep one horse, no. even two horses, because I sent out a video also for our year, yearly subscribers, one horse, obviously you get up to three, now it's a bigger ticket. But one horse, especially, you know, like what, you know, four by one by all, it's like a $12 for 50 cents. I mean, not it's much. not that yeah. much. You, yeah. you can, it's very affordable ticket. We see on the screen, I'll just show this final, uh, final eighth right here. I mean, a tone in 11.1. That is absolutely flying. Um, so he was flying. And speaking Scott, 11.5, one of the lower ones. Coincidentally, Pete, the force that finished last and second to last actually closed well, but it sort of shows you how the pace somewhat held together and they just can make up ground. The other interesting thing I found here, Pete, look at the buyers on the, again, the left side of the screen. A tone with a 103, but City Man, I mean, 94 is not you know, horrible. I mean, it's not really that far off what he'd been running yeah, in general. Yeah. So this was, you know, a lot of horses fairly close together, you know, at the end, which tells you what, Pete? Usually it tells you it's not the best of races when they're all bunched up. And a trip mattered. Well, like a horse like City Man, City Man was a little compromised post-wise and 
Rosario did that horse no favors in order to get him in position and just sort of left him in the back in a race where everybody else was sort of moving. But like you said, maybe had a little punch at the end, not much, but enough to where maybe if he was a little closer, he at least, he at least runs a respectable race as opposed to finishing dead last. And, all right, now Paul Hallam, we gotta remember this is happening at forty nine seventeen. Remember that number. <laughs> so I can send this to Paul Halloran because I had something set up. I must have had a brain cramp with him appearing tonight, but that's okay. So um we gotta we gotta go back to Friday's show. Or excuse me, Thursday show. So something happened to Thursday's show, Pete, where uh Paul, as usual, ba 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 ran his mouth as usual, Shocking. mentioned the uh you know Paul Alto channel maker, and he was so confident. <laughs> So confident with his wet bet. Let's go back just for about 40 seconds to Thursday's show where Paul Halloran, the wonderful award-winning writer and co-host, challenged moi, did not believe in speaking scout, and loved wit. Let's go back and listen to what happened uh, on that show. Whoops, let me, I need to stop and, and make sure I bring up the sound this time, Pete. So let's bring on the sound here and let's hear a short clip from Thursday's show here it is folks the record last night i had paulo alto versus channel maker mm-hmm. in a in a head-to-head with you uh which we'll resolve later and tonight it's going to be wit versus speaking scout oh oh double I, oh let me get where's my wallet well <laughs> okay absolutely. So it was channel maker last night right yes, Kyle? it was, was, that it right? was correct yeah. oh i am I will say that the rail is going to work out well for Witt. He's going to save ground. Well, he's that, in the rail. They, 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 put, no they tell you the post positions ahead of time. They're good like that. No, I'm not saying I don't want to make the oh. bet. I'm just simply saying oh, right. that's a feather in your cap. Oh, Absolutely. oh Paul Halloran. Yeah, so, he's, a, he's at a he's at a basketball game tonight. I think that's the reason why. Yeah, he, interesting. He, he I think I, I don't recall things. giving the night off. I'm going to check my emails very no. very carefully. I think he just has trouble, you know, admitting when he's wrong, Pete. Yeah. But I did create a banner, so it should be two nothing, right? Should be two nothing, Howard. But my tip out on O'Connor was Ooh. so freaking bad. I'm not sure O'Connor's crossed the wire yet. I had to give Paul a point because he was right about O'Connor. So. Paul, when you hear this, it's two to one. I'm ahead. <laughs> I challenge you to one next time. We're going to talk about O'Connor right now, but uh, win some, lose some. That's the way it it goes. But, you know, that's the good thing about we interviewed Pletcher, and I was trying to be respectful, of course. I was suggesting that maybe Witt didn't want the mile and eighth. And if you listen carefully to what he said and you read his vibe, I think he was also worried about that, too, and it ended up being right because he got a perfect trip. Well, and, and it's funny. So I was completely off wit. Like I had him in nothing. And part of it was, and this was in the stats of the day that comes along with the power picks. If, if people care about that practical joke, his sire in turf roots, five for 90 wins. So it's just not his, it's just not his game. And, and you might look at it. And last time out, he was closing into, cause that was a mile and an eighth, I think two yep. yeah, last right. time. Right. Yep. And he was closing into that race, but it just didn't seem like it's, he seemed like he should have actually, he could have actually gotten there if he had a little more kick. And I just didn't, wasn't, had no confidence in that. So he was a complete toss for me once I sort of dug into the race. But I mean, 
Well, that's you why know. I show the replay because I thought it was, he closed the last race and Paul's like, but he was wide, but he didn't gallop out. See, that's where I think the gallop. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, did. I thought I he should have. I never got the impression he wants to go longer. It just didn't feel that way. High no. risk to both a tone and endorse bread and race it for Godolphin, who also wanted a clip speed. I mean, Godolphin is on a, is on a tear. Yeah. And then JW wants to know if Rosario. <laughs> wow. Has Rosario won a race yet at Gulfstream Park? Uh, yes. Just uh, didn't quite work out. Pete, let's get to the Pegasus here. Um, we all know what happened. Um, congratulations to Bill Mott, who I know Paul voted for third, who wasn't even on the ballot. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it on our clip show. I, I, I agreed. I think Bill Mott's having quite a run right now. Art Collector gets the job done, Pete. Um, 15 to 1, he went off at actually 15 and a half to 1. Defunded went off to meet a ridiculous sub three to one although he did run well i gotta give him credit and then stiletto boy and last samurai boy this looks a lot like the uh pegasus or excuse me the mcknight um mutuals where you got bombs um in you know third and fourth pete there's a lot to talk about here i'm gonna let you expound on this race for quite a while i'll just let you go ahead and, and talk you see the mutuals and there's the chart well it's first thing i'll say is our collector at 15 Based on looking at uh, horse racing Twitter, you thought it would have been four to five with everyone who loved Art Collector. I mean, everybody and their mother was saying, I knew Art Collector. Was I'm like, board, why the hell is it 15 board, to one? Apparently. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Although I think this is a race because I, you know, I always liked Art Collector, but he always seemed like whenever he got into deeper waters is when he had trouble. The problem was these waters weren't that deep. And so maybe that was sort of the maybe that was the one key where you kind of come up with this horse. And then you see was seven for nine mile and an eighth, just loves a mile and an eighth, even though that last race was disappointing, but rich strike was in there. He wasn't beating rich strike. So, I mean, come on, that's obvious. So you can't really blame him for that. But I mean, if you just look on figures, this horse fits at his best. He fits with the, the other top horses in this race. The biggest thing for me, Howard, can you go back to the chart for one second? And I noticed this sort of after, and there were actually scroll down a little bit. You can see the whole field. There were four, four year olds in this race and all of them had potential either on the win end or at least to hit the board and they all ran out. So I wondered if there was something to take away from that where, Hey, these are just newly turned four year olds going against pretty experienced older horses who have been in big races against open company. Um, and maybe that also had something to do with it. Maybe that would have been a way to maybe lean towards some of the older horses if you could come up with them. So I didn't really pay attention to that as much until after when I was looking at the chart. So, but you see there, like you see the, again, if you have to say something about the buyers, you have any thoughts on the buyers? Well, I mean, look, it, this is not sour grapes. I never would have had our collector. I said on Twitter many times, congrats to anyone who had our collector. Fantastic pick if you had him. To suggest that this race was going to happen for our collector, to me, is a bit silly, okay? Yeah. Sure, he could have run like a 101, but he was on downturn. He was off for a few months. They were concerned about some foot issues. I know Mott said he was working well. I mean, obviously, he's not going to run a lame horse in the race. But he, he paired up his buyer top from 2021. I just, you know, with a lot of other speed in the race, Pete, it looked like he was more in need the lead type. Where does his ability to stalk off of pretty legitimate speed and close like that and run off the screen. I mean, obviously just all worked out for him. Defunded ran a very good race. 
to me, this is also a story of a horse that didn't run. I mean, Cyber Knife was awful. Yeah. And and yeah. can people please stop saying it was the 10-hole? Watch the damn race. It was not the 10-hole. He wasn't that wide. He was on the two-path for much of the backstretch. Sure, he went wide on the final turn, but but a lot of horses have to do that. Our collector lost a lot of ground, too, if you watch the race. So this whole narrative that it was the 10 hole that lost the race for cyber knife is completely ridiculous. He ran a 92 buyer PD was, he was awful and equally, if not worse was white of barrio. That's and who I my top two on, choices. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not going to sit here, you know, and make excuses. White of barrio, uh, Pete got a dream trip. And Perfect I'm mad. <laughs> so let's talk about the contest real quick for fun. Let me take this off the screen. Pete, I $6,500 going into the last race. And the leader was like 56,000 and a lot of other people were around 30,000, 28,000, et cetera. Um, I did not play the contest to lose. I went for it. I figured, okay, let me get to somewhere in the 50,000 range. That probably wouldn't win it for me, but it would get me in the top five. It'd get me a seat to the NHC next year. Um, it would get me a nice, you know, prize money of somewhere in the range of 15, 20,000 on top of the 45,000, whatever. I played a very big exacta um, cyber knife over white Barrio. That was my exacta. That would have got me about 56,000. I then played other exactas Dutch with um, white Barrio on top with defunded and cyber knife second. That was my main play. I couldn't do a win bet, Pete. I mean, sure, I could have done a one win bet on our collector and win the whole damn thing, but I didn't like him. Yeah. I thought it was logical on the first turn and in sort of the beginning of the backstretch where White of Barrio, Pete, was sitting a dream trip and Cyberknife was comfortable. I turned to Matt. I said, this is very possible. And then yeah. neither of them just fight. Just They both just completely flattened out, especially White of Barrio, which is completely awful. And speed held, Pete. That's the last thing I want to say. I'll let you talk about it as we bring up the chart with Stiletto Boy finishing third after Smith crossed over and went to the lead. Well, you know, what's funny is we were just, we talked about this, the, the race prior or the one race where you had the, the 20 plus to one shot in my notes for the race. The one note I had for Stiletto Boy was play underneath. And this was a race though, where you'd have said, if I would have given that out and said, play this as a, um, Oh, here we go. Let me see what he's saying. If you want charge it, Matthew. Yeah, yes, but... charge it is back on the work tab. Yeah, charge is coming the older back. horse divisions in trouble. Um, I agree, Matthew Shamiro. Thanks for uh, joining the show. And then Jim Pilar has mentioned he agrees about our collector. He was alive in the pick five. His two A's to fund and O'Connor. I did not have our collector uh, even as a C. I had our collector as a C, but it didn't matter at that point. Sorry, Pete. Go ahead. No, 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 not at all. And I was just going to say, go, just going back to that, the underneath trifecta, which I actually like that with Stiletto Boy, but wouldn't have had art. I had defunded, but wouldn't have had art collector. So it's one of those where you, you're pissed because you came up with a 45 to one shot that you thought could hit the board, but you didn't have the top two. You didn't have the winner in there. So it would have been beautiful if you hit like an all button, but you can't do that every friggin' race. or you start blowing your, your value there. Well, if you look at the chart, I know you talk about this quite a bit. And so does um, many people, including our good friend, um, Matt Bernier first quarter, the horses that were first, second and fourth ran one, two, three. I mean, so yeah. no one really closed. I got to give a little credit uh, to proxy proxy was the only one who really made a big move late. So Look out for Proxy next time. I was 
against him in general because I thought last time was the time. But I actually thought he ran sneaky good. Well, um, and Rosario, again, Rosario, who the theme for his day was having his horses just way too far in the back. So, again, if Proxy Proxy looks more like a you know second-tier kind of horse, he, he sits just a little bit off. So maybe if he's there with that kick, he gets into contention at least. And I mean, that's a lot of money on the board here. If you hit the board, you know, yeah. there's some money to be taken in this race for your for your owners as well. Oh, there we go. Joseph Johnson won with 101,430. So what's interesting about the contest, Pete, is after that, I think second place was like 56. Wow. And third was like 30, 25, 20. So a lot of people struck out on the Pegasus is my point. Well, it's a tough um, it's one just... when the last race is one that you don't <laughs> expect a lot of people to have, right? I mean, that's the yeah. that the, in a contest, that's the tough part. So that's yeah. when people are generally reaching for trying to get that win. And yeah. I can't imagine a ton of people had Art Collector there in the room no. or no, wherever not, they were. Well, definitely not in the room. Not certainly. in the room, but you know what I not mean. In the, in the contest, contest. Well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pete, here's how I want to close the show with with one question for you because. Um, Although, like I said, I've been tipping out some nice horses underneath, but selfishly, I've been struggling a little bit with pick fours and pick fives lately. Again, I think it's important for me to be honest. And the reason why, I think my handicapping is just fine. The reason why is I'm just expecting paces that are not developing, Pete. And so do I start just like tossing closers and just only use them in my back wheel, you know, trifectas? Is it situational? I mean, there's so many times, Pete, where it looks like their speed, it, and I, I'm not just talking about two horses. I'm talking like three plus speed horses, and just on your day to day basis, no matter where, I don't know what it is, Pete, right now, but pace is just not developing, and closers are just not winning very much, and that's really hurting me. Well, and and although in this day it wasn't speed holding to win, so horses were coming a little off the pace. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we we looked at some of these, and you look. I know we use time form on the show. And you see time form, you see multiple hundred plus time form early pace figures in some of that, that one race, there were like three or four that were 120 plus. It was the Hooper. The Hooper. Yes. Yeah. And and they just don't go. And you don't know if it's a byproduct of, hey, they see the same things we see and they get timid because they don't want to get into a speed duel. But half the time they wind up compromising their own horses because that's the way that horse runs well is to be near the lead. And so I think from a handicapping standpoint, maybe we just shouldn't get as bogged down saying this race is going to fall apart because they just don't fall apart as much as we think they're going to. So no. I think if you're doing a Especially sequel, on dirt, by the way. Especially on dirt. I've noticed for sure. that. Yeah, Tough yeah. races, you can close pretty far back. Dirt, it's just... Dirt, yeah. I'm thinking more dirt, too. But I mean, maybe... the winter, like out east, maybe the track's just not conducive to... Like... There's probably a lot of factors. I'm going to have to go back and look at it. But, you know, we're playing San Nita. That's speed favoring, right? You're playing Gulfstream. That's speed favoring. Aqueduct is not speed favoring, but it can be depending on track conditions. So I guess I just have to pay attention maybe more to track conditions. But the first, like, for example, Pete, and then we'll close the show. I don't, I don't know if anyone out there watching played the uh, mandatory rainbow pick six on Sunday at Gulfstream. But there was a bomb that won the first race. I think the name of the horse was actually, I think it was called Stat, if I recall. At 20 to 1, he, his his time form, early time form in the U.S. was like 78. And there were three others that are like 92, 95, like 96. And the seven horse somehow got to the lead and wired the field. I mean, wired it. you can't, yeah. I, I can't handicap that. I don't like, you know, horses are no. machines though, right? Like they're not going to break right every time. 
Sometimes they get bumped. And then sometimes if a jockey is really aggressive, look, any decent horse beat can go 23, 22 and change first quarter, right? No matter their ability, you just got to send them, right? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things too is you don't want to look back at a race and think you did something wrong when just some weird stuff happened. So you can't figure out, like I know a lot of times we want to look at it and this happens on Twitter all the time where someone wants to look at the race and go, Oh, here's why I should have had that horse. Some races you just look at and say, no, I wasn't going to have this horse. There was no possible way. Some weird stuff went down. The pace didn't develop. Let me just move on from that one. But I do think the one thing to your point before we go is maybe like a horse that's coming from the back, unless it's a monster, unless it's just a horse that lays over the field, maybe you don't go super skinny or sort of single or have super confidence in a horse that's coming from behind. And you say in a race like that, if the horse that I like the best is a closer and I know that horse is going to need pace that I need it to happen the way it maybe is on paper, maybe you can't be as confident in that just because it just doesn't happen. And you know, I love closers, unfortunately. And, and it screws you all the time because like you said, the pace just doesn't set up the way you want it to. So maybe in that race, you say, hey, if I'm going and I like a real deep closer, maybe let me also have a horse that's going to sit right off or be near the lead. If there is no pace or isn't a lot of pace, I'm going to have someone who's a little more tactical and maybe pair them up. And that's maybe how you configure your bets a little bit. Well, it's an interesting conversation. And I'm going to do something this month I haven't done in a while, Pete. I'm actually going to play smaller or less horizontals i'm gonna try to really focus on this reverse key try play i'm actually gonna keep track of it i'm not for the public but for myself because that's really been a a good play for me um and i think i need to play it more yeah and you know maybe when things aren't going as well with your horizontals you gotta back off a little bit and and regroup and there's nothing wrong with that we all go through certain struggles with our horizontals it's it's, they're hard to hit so i'm gonna try doing that in the month of february pete and see if i can uh recoup some of that horizontal money that I've been uh, throwing away. I think that's a good idea. I actually, after Pegasus Day was over, I just sat down and calculated if I would have just put a win bet, an exacta, and a try in the in each of the six, the last six stakes races, <laughs> I would have at least doubled Gosh. my money at a minimum. Yeah. And those were with small, that was with small denominations. Instead, I played all horizontals, had all those winners, and, and hit nothing because everything I played was pick threes and pick fives and didn't cash in because I wasn't betting the individual races themselves. So it's, uh, yeah, you have to modify. As Marshall it. Graham has said on the show, the old pick one, there's nothing wrong with the pick, pick one. one is nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, listen, we're still going to do horizontals in the show folks. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Okay. We are, there's still a ton of value in these horizontals. They're just hard to hit. And um, you know, but if we're, we're going to, we're going to keep at it. Uh, Pete, it's been a great show tonight. A lot of fun. It's going to be interesting to see where some of these, uh, horses go. Of course, there's a lot of really good horses laying in the weeds, especially for Saudi and Dubai, like Country Grammar and some others. And of course, I mean, right now, uh, Taba is, is clearly the old best older horse in the country. I'm sorry, no disrespect to Art Collector, but if Art Collector continues to run this way, uh, that will certainly change the dynamic for sure. So for my co-host, Pete Visco, uh, this has been your host, Howard Kravitz. It's been episode 227 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Benton and Boozen, Kyle Roscoe, Charlie Freeman, Patrick Kunzel. They'll be chopping up the Thursday, the Thursday slate of NBA action. There's a lot of really good games 
And they're also going to be talking about, Pete, a really nice pick four sequence Saturday at Gulfstream. All, all stakes, stakes, right? Yeah. All stakes, all grade three, all three-year-old yeah. pick four. And I hear there's a surprise guest that might show up at the end of the show tomorrow. You'll have to wait and see who that's going to be. And then, of course, we're going to be on again Thursday night. Just you and I, as Paul will join us later in the show. But we're also going to have Peter Thomas Fornital. Really excited about that to cover San Anita for Saturday. Thanks again, everyone. Have a fantastic night. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. See you, everybody.